Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Because We Went to Therapy podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Ashley. And today we have a solo episode, just the two of us today. Um, the last two, we did interviews, so if you haven't listened to those, go check them out because they were incredible episodes. One was on EMDR, and the other was on the mind-body connection, focusing on chronic pain and fatigue. So both really awesome guests, so check those out. Uh, but we're really excited to do this solo episode uh, because the topic means a lot to uh, me professionally and personally, and I know it means a lot to Ashley as well. And so we're going to get into it by starting to talk about the book, It Didn't Start With You. If you haven't read this book, it's I read it in grad school, so it, uh, not going to lie, it has been a minute. But if you haven't read this book, it talks all about like intergenerational trauma and you know the effects of it, what even is intergenerational trauma and all that. So we want to start off by talking about the book and then we're going to involve into talking about therapy in terms of like what shows up with intergenerational trauma in the therapy room. And then we're going to share some personal stories. Um, so it should be a really good episode and thanks for listening. Yeah. So I actually read it a cup like maybe a month or two ago I was on the list at my library to get it and it's clearly a very very popular book because you can I have a hard time finding it in bookstores there was a super long wait list at the library and luckily my friend had it on hold too and she was able to get it before me so I borrowed it from her from the library and oh just wow read it that way because if not I probably would have been waiting like six more months but this was my first really like educational dive into generational trauma of course i've heard about it before having been in therapy for a long time and then also being really interested in psychology in the mental health space but the book was kind of broken down into stories with the author's personal accounts with his clients about finding out about their generational trauma and their stories and digging into it and giving their personal accounts on how they uncovered it and their generational trauma affected them. And then also the science behind it and like the genetic part behind it, which I thought was really, really interesting. And honestly, the book was not what I expected it to be when I was going into it. I think when I was first thinking about generational trauma, I think very much about like the nature versus nurture debate. And of course I can see how the nurture side is like, of course you can see the patterns of behavior going down throughout a family tree. You know, like if a grandfather has anger issues that are unresolved, passes down to the father, passes down to you type of thing like that very logically makes sense to me, but it was more surprising to see kind of the scientific side of it and how it actually can pass through our genes genetically and it can really be ingrained in us yeah no absolutely and i think i've talked about this before on the podcast but like neuroscience of like the science of psychology is so interesting to me because it's like you know proof that therapy does work and like healing your traumas does um have such a huge impact on you and the generations to come. Ashley, what did you kind of expect the book to be before you read it? So I think I was just expecting it to be more about 
understanding patterns of behavior within families and how that is passed down through kind of the nurture side of things and just, you know, picking up behaviors from other generations versus what was really surprising to me and kind of threw me off guard and honestly made me, I want to talk about this more, made me almost a little bit skeptical when I was first reading it was he mentioned multiple different clients about how, for example, one was experiencing a lot of anxiety around certain situations and she couldn't figure out why. So they started going back in her family history and they realized that like a great aunt or someone that she had never even met went through a situation where she was abandoned and kind of kicked out of the family and how now her great niece was reenacting that throughout her mental and emotional health and how they were able to work through that and kind of heal in that way. And in my mind, I'm like, how does that even like that kind of lost me a little bit? Like how do these random relatives like it was, there's just multiple instances where he was talking about how you are actually replaying exactly what happened to your ancestors whether you knew them or not and whether they were talked about in your family or not so i'm interested to hear your take on that like there was that one story about a man who i think he was like 25 years old or something like that let's just call it 25 and once he turned 25 he started getting really really bad anxiety he started becoming suicidal having all these issues within his own body and then they look back at his family history and I think it was his uncle had committed suicide at 25 and it was never really talked about in the family. He didn't really, he knew he had an uncle, but he didn't know much beyond that. And I was just like, it's hard for me to see. It seems a little woo woo to me in certain instances. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. And Ashley, I'm so glad you brought this up because I am a nurture girly. Like in, when it comes to the debate, like I lean so heavily to the nurture side because um, I think our environment has such a um, impact on our well-being. However, okay, but then you have to take into account your parents' environment, their parents' environment, their parents' environment, right? Like, so it does make sense that even if you've never met this person or, you know, they existed years and years before you, um, that the genetics do play a large role. So this book actually, like, and I'm thankful for this book because it opened my eyes to the genetic side. Like, don't get me wrong. I still believe that nurture plays a huge role in, like, developing who we are. But, like, I have clients who have, um, I have a client who has OCD, and they don't have any trauma history, like, none. Like, we've done the work to try to uncover it, and her parents don't have OCD, and I'm like, well, you know, there's probably a genetic um, predisposition somewhere in there and then that you developed OCD. And so, it, you know, I do believe that gene genetics do play a role in like when you take into account like how many people have come before us. I can't refresh my memory if the book talks about slavery at all and like the generational effects of that. 
I think it did touch on that. And then I remembered also a big theme for one of the patients was the Holocaust as well. How she had, um, I believe it was like a great grandma or a grandmother who survived the Holocaust and the rest of her family did not. Mm -hmm. I could Mm -hmm. be um, incorrect about the specifics there, but that was one of the themes. Yeah. Okay. I I was going to say, I couldn't remember if that was like a, I've read so much stuff about generational trauma because as a trauma therapist, it's obviously important that I couldn't remember if it was in this book. Um, It's making me kind of want to reread the book talking about it now, but, um, and because people have talked about like, um, people in the black community and yet people in the Jewish community have talked about how they can feel the effects of slavery and um, the Holocaust in, you know, different ways. And it shows up in their life. And those are huge impacts on the both the genetic and environmental composition of people today. And so I, yeah, I just don't think you can talk about mental health without talking about generational trauma and how it really truly is at the core of so much of our mental health struggles and not just that at the core of so much more like at the core of why we have so much violence in our society I personally believe that that's done some generational trauma um so yeah it's just it's such an important topic and I'm so glad we're talking about it today Right. Like I remember my therapist a while ago, we were talking about generational trauma and she sent me a TED talk on this doctor who did some research about children who were either born during the Holocaust or born um, to survivors of the Holocaust in the in the years after. And she her theory going in was assuming that these kids were going to you know, suffer some deficiencies because of what their parents went through. Of course, like their bodies endured so much. It's just, you're going to assume that the kids are going to, you know, the oncoming generations are going to suffer because of that. But actually their genetics changed fundamentally and they started packing on a little bit more weight and holding on to that weight because their parents were starving during the Holocaust. So their genes adapted and passed down to their kids. So it really, you know, that's just a tangible way to see how the genetics can actually change with just from one generation to the next from a major trauma. Yeah. I didn't know that that's obviously very sad that that had to happen, but how like the human body is just so fucking incredible. Like the fact right. that it's, it was like, we in case this happens again um or something like this happens again which let's you know hope and pray it never does but let's store body on let's store fat on you like that's crazy it reminds me of something i saw the other day about how um people are like babies are being born without wisdom teeth and i was like that's so cool because we all get them removed anyways nowadays and so our bodies our genes are um developing and so yeah that's why like i'll never even though i am a nurture girly i'll never discount genetics because they do play such a large role and we've seen that in twin studies both ways right how they can grow up completely different or they can grow up similar like if they are separated at birth they can grow up similarly you know it's just their studies to prove both matter and so i don't even know why it has to be a debate like why can't we just accept that both play a role into who we are 
Right, exactly. Like now I'm even thinking about how I have this cousin. This is like a whole nother long story I'll have to tell on the podcast one day because it's just like a crazy, amazing story. But I have a cousin yeah. that I found on Ancestry.com after we both did DNA tests. And I had no idea he existed. And we started messaging each other. I found out he was adopted. He didn't know who his parents were. I found out who his father was because his father is related to me and was able to reconnect them. And he was just like blown away about how similar they were. They had never met each other. They grew up in totally different parts of the country, one in the Midwest, one in the Deep South. They had the same exact interests, like very niche interests too, like flying planes and going to air shows and working on certain mechanics and like the same hobbies. They like the same sports. It was just like very, very odd how they had never met each other, had absolutely no idea anything about one another. And they had all these same interests. So obviously there's some genetic component to that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, yeah, like they don't know each other. How would they have the same interests? And obviously interests are different than what we're talking about here, but that's a really... Uh, incredible story that they reconnected and were so similar. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm sure there's other ways, um, you know, that are probably a little bit more related to the genetics that are, um, that they're very similar to, but it just reminded me of that, of how genetics can play such a role because like you, I'm very much a nurture girly (laughs) too. It's like you can, and I don't know if that's just because you can see it more, you can, you can see those patterns more, like when you right. draw a family tree. And I'm sure when you're talking in therapy, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Your parents act that way. So it makes sense why you reacted in yeah. such a way. Like, logically, that just makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, you can see it. And like, when my clients come to me and they're talking about their parents, right, that's what we're gonna, or their caregivers, that's what we're gonna focus on. You know, I um I'm not a scientist, so, you know, I don't understand all the genetics fully, um, which, again, why I was appreciative of this book, because it kind of, like you said, talks about the science of how, um, like, a great aunt could influence you today or how, you know, someone who committed suicide at 25 could then start having anxiety at 25, because Mm -hmm. I think when I first started my career, I was like, no, it's childhood trauma that's the cause of everything (laughs) some sort of trauma is the cause of everything and so when I have clients who um, don't have significant trauma I'm like okay but you have this and this so what else could be going on it does kind of open the conversation open you know my uh, I try to be a therapist that continuously takes in information right and doesn't just Mm -hmm. think that that's the answer or that's the reason. Um, so yeah, like I said, it opens the conversation to be like, okay, could there be stuff in your history and could we work through this? Yeah. I am curious from a therapist standpoint when you're in session with a client and you realize, okay, they don't have significant trauma in their background or something that can necessarily explain why they're struggling the way they're struggling. And then how do you, no, okay, let's maybe start looking into their family history. Let's look at their parents, maybe their grandparents, and then more like tertiary characters, whether aunts, uncles, cousins, things like that. Like, how do you know how to take that path? 
Yeah. Well, in all honesty, um, I'm a psychodynamic therapist, which means that, um, which is like psycho, it stems from Freud's psychoanalytical theory. So while I don't ask if, you know, boys want to fuck their moms or um, (laughs) girls have penis envy, I do talk about the parents and like, in the first session, I ask about the family. Of course, I'm not like diving in being like, tell me all the trauma you experienced at the hands of your mom and dad. Um, but no, I always ask about the family, you know, pretty immediately. And I always ask like, you know, typically when we think like the nuclear family, I try to ask like who was present with you growing up because not everyone has a mom and a dad. Not everyone, you know, has um that nuclear family, maybe they have grandma and she's an important role, either positively or negative, right? Or um, I feel like a lot of, I don't know, maybe it was just like when we were growing up, like there was more of that, like, you know, I went to Mondays with my grandma and like, you know, we had a lot of babysitters. Both my parents worked, so that could have just been like a two working parents kind of thing. But I feel like there were a lot of other people in my life that did play a role. So I try to gauge like whether other important people in your um and not even maybe in your life but like in my family my dad has 10 siblings and so like while I may not be close with all of them a lot of them have stopped could influence me even if I don't know them and so I try to I try to get a full picture of the client anyways and then like if they're like well yeah my dad's sister she you know is schizophrenic we don't know her but she you know has this or this or you know my grandpa committed suicide like I try to try to um, gauge the full interest yeah yeah and is that um because honestly I don't know is that the most common type of talk therapy the what you practice or like can you talk a little bit about like what the different um you know common types are so that is a whole different podcast episode so we can do one about that in the future but I think the most common is CBT cognitive behavioral therapy I'm I don't use cognitive behavioral therapy but also Northwestern the family institute where I got my uh, degree from their whole program is psychodynamic and that was one of the reasons that I chose that program because I liked their uh model of teaching and what they emphasize so I think that's kind of you know I went there for two years so that shaped why um I chose that modality but also like I said like I'm a nurture nurture girly so I kind of was always drawn to something that looks at the family system and how that can influence your well-being I also had a pretty chaotic childhood so I'm sure my own lived experiences both my parents had very very chaotic and traumatic childhood so I feel like that also played into a role of how I see the world which you know they always tell you in grad school pick a therapy modality and orientation that aligns with how you see the world because otherwise it's not going to be authentic yeah that makes sense and i definitely noticed once i became pregnant that i wanted to start looking more into i mean i've always been really interested in my family history and even just from like a genealogical perspective you know finding out where are we from what's our ancestry i already mentioned taking the ancestry dna test a couple of years ago things like that but i really wanted to start digging deeper into like the feelings and behaviors of my ancestors which can be pretty difficult if you don't have family members who are open about it or don't want to talk about it because i feel like in preceding generations 
a lot of that stuff was really, really taboo to talk about. And even something that the author mentioned in the book was um, sometimes people would have these family traumas and just nobody really had any information about it because they just sent Aunt Susie to the sanitarium or whatever and just like never heard from her again or gave them a lobotomy and they were never able to speak again. Like these crazy practices that happened not even a hundred years ago because if somebody was going through a mental health issue or had anxiety or OCD or or was even just a women, woman. Right. I was gonna say even just women on their periods like, <laughs> they would just send you off it's not funny it's it's just crazy we need to do a full episode on the history of um the psychiatric history because no wonder Uh people don't trust therapists because we used to freaking give people lobotomies right um and so i totally understand like well and not just like that they sent them away um they also didn't talk about it right like right they just never talked about them again Right. My mom didn't talk about her trauma to a single person until she was 45 years old. That's insane. And I'm not faulting her at all. I'm just saying, like, she didn't talk about it. And so you also, and again, sorry, you have to keep refreshing my memory. I should have read, reread it before we did this episode. Um, but does the book touch on how not, it's just not like when someone gets sent away, but if people don't talk about their traumas, it gets stored in their bodies. And so mm-hmm. what, like, it only makes sense that when like a, then a mother gets pregnant or then like the fa- both the mother and father maybe have traumas or one of them have traumas that that would be passed down because they never dealt with it. We talked last week about, or two weeks ago about the mind body connection, how it can be stored or, you know, it can become um, chronic pain and fatigue. It can also become uh eating disorder or bipolar because if you don't deal with this stuff it's going to affect the next generation even if like you let's just say somehow these parents you know were able to have a pretty normal child or raise their kid with a pretty normal childhood if that shit is still in there for lack of better way to put it it's gonna it's gonna affect you Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that triggered me a little bit once I started reading this and I was probably like in my halfway through my pregnancy or so at the time. And I'm like, oh my God, like I have so much trauma that's not even mine that I need to resolve so I can make sure I don't pass it on to my son when he gets here. And a couple of times in the book, I think they talked about like traumatic labor and birth experiences and how that can kind of be passed down. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm already you know, screwing my kid up and it's not even my fault and I don't know what to do. So, um, once I was able to calm down and talk to my therapist a little bit about that, I think it's important to remember that, you know, we're a lot of what our generation is doing, which I'm really thankful for is going to therapy and even just starting to uncover these things. And it's probably, you know, it could be like a multi-generational healing it's not just it didn't start with us and it's not going it might not necessarily end with us but we can do whatever we can to make it better for the generations after us too yeah absolutely even if you're not going to have children because i know a lot of millennials are choosing not to have children which you know fully support their choice um you still it still benefits you and it benefits the people around you right like if you have partner if you have friends or if you have nieces and nephews like it's it still benefits them especially when we look at from like a 
genealogical standpoint, even if you don't have kids, maybe your sibling has kids and it, you know, um, it benefits them or it affects them if you don't, right? And so, like, I know when, um, I'm not sure if I ever talked about this on the podcast, but my mom um, was sexually abused in her childhood as well. And so we share a um, similar trauma. And when I got help, she was able to also get help. And so it was like two generations healing so that my children don't have to go through what me and my mom and who knows, maybe the people before her, uh, especially when we look at the history of sexual abuse, we know that most people um, who were sexually abused in or the most of the people who sexually abuse like adults, children also experience some form of sexual abuse in their childhood. So just think about like the impact that like me and my mom um, healing from our sexual abuse could have on the generations to come. No, I don't think you've shared that before. So I appreciate you opening up and sharing about that. And it is so interesting when, especially when you talk from like a sexual abuse standpoint and with that, subject being i mean even in our generation it can be really really taboo to talk about unfortunately and it does take a ton of courage to even open up to one person about it much less talk about it on like a public platform or to bring it up to people that maybe are not your therapist or is not your family or your partner so Mm -hmm. think about even just like in our parents generations if it's taboo for us to talk about Like how hard was it for them to even understand like that this is a major trauma because a lot of times people are just like, oh, you know, just don't think about it. Don't it just kind of like, don't be seen, don't be heard type of thing. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And like I said, my mom didn't talk about it until she was 45, at least to my knowledge. And then when she did, um, you know, it still didn't inspire me to talk about it. I didn't talk about it for years to come. But when I did, I was um, knowing that my mom had that trauma did help me understand how something like that could happen to me because it wasn't, you know, full disclosure, it wasn't my mom who um, sexually abused me. But that generational like, okay, my mom was sexually abused by a family member. And then I was sexually abused by a family member like that. um it wasn't the same person. So that's why I also kind of lean to the genetic side of things because it wasn't the same person. And yeah, there were environmental things that probably um, led to it, but was that just genes that the person who did it to me was influenced by the person who did it to my mom, even if they had no relation or no, you know, um, not relation, of course they're related, but um, interaction like environmentally, know what I mean? And you know, right. the reason I talk about it is because I don't want it to be taboo, right? I don't want sexual abuse to be taboo. I want sexual abuse to be talked about because we only stop the cycle of it when we talk about it. Like that's, you know, I'm so passionate about generational trauma because yes, it exists in my family, but I know it exists in so many other families that like if we could heal from our generational trauma, and I feel like I'm, you know, going to get emotional here because generational trauma is actually the reason I became a therapist because I see the impact that it has on um, people and on families, like so many families, right? And so um, I became a therapist to help put an end to generational trauma. Um, And it just means so much to me when somebody is willing to come and do the work to 
But again, even if you don't want to have kids, doing it for yourself is still incredible. Um, and yeah, I, I I think we could change the world by healing generational trauma. Um, yeah. I think it would take a long time, but I like to I like to hold on to hope that we could heal the world by healing our generational trauma. I know obviously it's a lot more complex than that, but right, and even just getting the process started, which is what I'm really proud of our generation for for going to therapy and realizing these patterns and realizing that we are able to affect our children or our nieces and nephews or little cousins or the, you know, friends and family, the next generation. So I am curious, um, from a clinician standpoint, what are some other, um, like more common themes that you see with generational trauma? Is it anger or violence? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, addiction and does the book touch on addiction at all? Remind me. I believe it did in at least one story. Okay. Because I think addiction is one where genes do play a large role. Like if somebody has a um, genetic disposition to be addicted to substances, I think it's more likely that they will also experience addiction. Um, And so I see a lot of times like, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and now I'm struggling with that same thing. Um. So I see a lot of addiction, generational trauma. I also see, um, unfortunately, a lot of domestic violence. Um, it's when children witness domestic violence, they're also victims of domestic violence. And they're also just um, statistically more likely to also um, either be in like Uh, be the one being abused or be the abuser because it's what they saw and probably in their genes too to be violent um physical abuse you know I still think that for some reason there's still people who hit their children and like I'll never understand with all the evidence we have now about how it does impact their social emotional and um intellectual ability to function I still don't understand how people could do it spanking included a lot of you know, more than, I would say more than half my case, though, they were physically abused. So that's definitely a big one. And then something that I don't think is talked a lot about is having a parent with a personality disorder, like having a parent who has borderline personality disorder, who has um, narcissistic personality disorder, like, even if they never physically abuse you, it can be really hard to have a parent who has uh, personality disorder, just like it can be hard to have a parent who has depression. Like, uh, I think a lot of, and it, this is maybe just, um, because of like gender roles, but I have a lot of clients who talk about how their mom would knock it out of bed most days. And so like that is one, you're going to predispose, it's going to predispose you to have depression yourself, but also like, that's hard to watch your parent go through that. And so, um, there's so many different, I mean, probably every, um, illness or disorder in the DSM could be generate, could be based on generational trauma. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think a lot of those examples are, really common unfortunately like when you mentioned addiction i'm like oh yeah i can absolutely see how that has the genetic component to it because what is that quote where it's like give me a second to think about it 
especially when it comes to addiction and alcohol addiction, for example, I think Brene Brown said, and I don't know if this is from her originally or she was quoting from somebody else, but genetics load the gun and then environment pulls the trigger, something like that. Does that sound familiar? Yes. That does I'll have to look up the exact quote because I might I might I might be butchering it a little bit, but just the combination of those I'm two curious things. Now. Right. Like once you combine the genetic aspect and then if you also have an environmental aspect, like you were saying with the sexual abuse, it might not just be a genetic thing, but once you combine it with the right type of environment too, it's going to possibly cause that to happen even sooner than it would have before. And I can say now from experience that, like I was saying earlier, becoming a parent can really trigger a lot of that stuff in you and realizing that there is now another generation to pass this on to. And luckily, I feel like I did a lot of my trauma work and my family work prior to becoming pregnant, which was really beneficial. But I can also say from personal experience that like, I know people that have gotten just, we know it's not randomly, but seemingly randomly gotten really, really triggered about, you know, family genetics or family mental health and continuing certain cycles once they did find out they were becoming parents. And I've even seen that with friends who were getting married. I have this friend who got married and she's like, I'm in therapy because of my parents' marriage and getting married, getting proposed to and playing her wedding triggered her. So I think a lot of those big life events can really trigger you into thinking like, okay, you, you know, just mm-hmm. stuff that you weren't necessarily privy to before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a um, diagnosis in the DSM called adjustment disorder. And I think that that um, they created this basically because not everyone is going to fit the criteria for specific, but they still want you know to be able to get their sessions covered by insurance. But um, I think what you're talking about with like getting married, like the um, the trigger of oh I'm going to be in a marriage now, and I've never seen a healthy marriage, or you know my parents didn't model how to cope with disagreements how to cope with x y and z it could trigger you to be like okay i want to go get therapy i want to go get help i want to figure this out um and so i think it can be like really hard like when my trauma was triggered um because i had just suppressed it you know to continue functioning as a lot of people do it was because i was working in sex addiction my internship and i was like okay I think I uh, can relate to some of these people. (laughs) Maybe I should go get um, some treatment. And so it's like, it can be really hard when you have that trigger and then you have to remember and deal with it. But like you were saying, like, it's really great that our generation is like, okay, we want to deal with it. Like that trend on TikTok, the um, double it and give it to the next person. Yeah. Obviously we're, going to pass down some sh- as we've been talking like genetically we might pass down some things um and just nobody's perfect so we're gonna you know mess up but like how cool is it that a lot of us are saying like 
no, actually, I don't want to double it and give it to the next person. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, even if you're taking 25% off the next generation's plate or 50%, like, if the previous generation would have done that for me, I would have been so thankful because it's just a little bit less that you have to suffer. And there is a quote mm -hmm. that I wrote down from the book that I thought was um, really interesting was we're likely to keep repeating our unconscious patterns until we bring them to the light of awareness, which I think just rings true in all sorts of mental health topics and aspects is you're going to keep repeating in action until you do the work to figure out why you're doing it. Like a lot of people, and I think this comes from the previous generation, just say like, oh, it's mind over matter, just stop doing it or, you know, stop your addiction, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop watching porn, like stop having angry outbursts, whatever. And it's like, that's not, you know, just like mind over matter is not yeah. going to work like you have to do you have to figure out what the root cause of it is and once you understand like where these things are coming from and understand maybe it is a bit from nature a bit from nurture you can actually start the healing process and that does take third-party help whether it's from a counselor or a mental health coach or psychologist or whomever you're able to get help from mm -hmm. absolutely that quote reminds me of um, a similar quote that I love, and I was pulling it up. Um, we are all driven to recreate our first wound so we can change the ending. I actually heard this in a TV show, and it blew my mind because I felt like somebody put it so well um, that when you think, like, first wound, I don't necessarily, it doesn't maybe have to be our first wound, but, like, wounds in our childhood, right? Um like, un I think that's the unconscious part, maybe like the genetic even or like the, you know, early childhood trauma that play of like, okay, like I would have this, I want to get into a relationship and I don't, like, let's just look at domestic violence for a second. Like, we know that girls who experience domestic violence growing up are more likely to end up with a um, partner who is also violent maybe they're like unconsciously driven to get into those relationships because they think that it could be different for them. The outcome could be different or they're looking to change it, right? Like something's driving them to be in these, um, be in these relationships, even though they saw and they probably hated it growing up. Like the book, it starts with us. Like I know that's a book, but it was also based on, uh, loosely based on, I think the author's mom. And it's mm -hmm. like, she ended up in an abusive relationship even after she said she never would and she right. was like determined to change him right and i think that that's sometimes um like we there's so much we don't understand about the brain still but i think yeah like you were saying a little bit nurture a little bit nature because we want to change the ending we want to heal we wanted what was the end of that quote you read read it again um, we bring them to the light of awareness, our unconscious, we bring our unconscious patterns until we bring them to the light of awareness. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. We keep repeating like we, them. Yeah, we are going to keep repeating them because we want, um, we want to heal. Like our bodies are driven to heal. It's why I love EMDR because it's really focused on, um, your brain knows how to heal. Just need a little assist. Like our bodies are driven to heal. It's just, yeah, we do need, like you were saying, we need that help. We need that assistance to heal. Um, 
because when we bring things in, like kind of like I was talking about, like I, I'm comfortable sharing my story because I don't want it to be taboo. I want to bring it into the light and be like, this needs to stop happening to so many children. And the only way we do that is by talking about it and by healing and stopping these cycles. Mm-hmm. And that even reminds me how you were talking about the women in domestic violence situations. You know, I keep seeing on TikTok, like, why do you keep going back to the same types of relationships? Why do you have a type? Like, why do you keep going back to the same types of jobs when you know they're not going to work out? And it's like, okay, it, it, it probably is an unconscious pattern. And there are ways to kind of dissect that and realize, like, why do I have this type? Why do I keep going back to the same type of hurt or pain when I know how it's going to end? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And part of that is because you go to what's familiar. Um, and if that was what you grew up with or that is what you're used to, you're drawn to familiarity. You're drawn to recreate um, the cycles that you experienced. Um, again, there's so much we don't know about the brain. That's genetics. That's environment. That's attachment theory. It's all of the above, right? That influence why we are driven to be in the same types of relationships or being, you know, in the same types of environment. However, when we have an intervention, this is similar to, um, I'm probably going to embarrass myself here, but like Newton's law, isn't Newton's law like something in motion will stop unless otherwise. um, Yeah, like an object in motion stays in motion unless stopped by an outside force or something. Okay, thank you. We're not scientists here. (laughs) I already said that. Yeah, I'm not a scientist, Um, but I think it's similar to, and I love kind of like making metaphors because I think it's similar to that um, and that like unless something stops this mess, I I talk about it in um, hamster wheel. When I talk about generational trauma, I paint this picture of, okay, so if you have this family that's been on the same hamster wheel for, you know, a hundred plus years, right? And then somebody gets off the hamster wheel and says, I don't want to be on this path anymore like this is this is harmful this is hurting me and everyone else around me that can make such a difference and I think we should do an episode on how lonely it can be if you're the only one in your family healing or one of the only few because I don't think that's talked about enough but Mm -hmm. um, essentially when you get off that hamster wheel it's like another force that's saying I don't want to do this anymore um another I've dealt with that too, personally. It's really, really hard when other people in your family don't either want to take accountability or don't want to talk about family trauma or don't want to talk about how their actions can hurt other people and don't even want to acknowledge it or have that conversation. It can be really, really lonely and it's really difficult stepping out of that cycle too and saying like, I'm not going to do this anymore, or I'm not going to talk to these people or, you know, cutting them off or minimizing contact or whatever you need to do. So I just want to say anybody that has gone through that, it can be really difficult and really isolating, but you should also be proud of yourself because you are doing what's best for you. And at the end of the day, you, if you do decide to have kids, then you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping them, but also even other family members that might not 
have the courage to step out of that cycle yet they might look at you and be like okay i can see that they're doing the healing and they said they pointed out that this isn't right what these other people are doing so even just giving like other people hope that they can you know make that change as well one day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and well like i said we'll do an episode on that and um but yeah that's just that encouragement that if you're doing this it's incredibly hard and it's incredibly powerful um and i have this quote from um when i visited auschwitz and obviously like it's a very different type of uh, generational trauma, but I love this quote because it says, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And like, think about all the like the rise in anti-Semitism. Like, if those people truly understood like the, um, and obviously I don't as a non-Jewish person, but like if they understood the experiences, they would never have that um those views right and it's yeah. just like history does repeat itself unless we do something about it unless we um remember and he like i like that quote because it's a little bit different but i think it sends the same message about healing generational trauma like unless we talk about it unless we acknowledge it unless we continue to um remember what happened to us and talk about it because that's you know remembering is only one piece talking about it and healing it which is like we've been saying incredibly difficult we're going to repeat it like we're going to whether it's on like a global scale or it's on like a interpersonal or just personal scale right and that's something that's really pertinent especially right now with all these different state governments either banning books or not wanting to talk about black history in the classroom or you know, Jewish history and all the, you know, they don't want to talk about anything that's uncomfortable to them, which to me is absolutely fucking insane. Because like you said, those, yeah, you know, history repeats itself. And that's how these things keep happening over and over again. Right. So it's not just on a, a family scale. It's also on a cultural scale too. Like we can't have this erasure of hard topics just because people don't want to talk about them or it makes them uncomfortable because it will happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And um, we can't, like, we can't erase what happened in the history. And that's what I was saying. Like, I truly believe that, like, healing from generational trauma could be, um, could help on a global scale as well, right? Um, because it it's it's just so it affects so much in our um per, I'm personally and culturally and I hope like you know if you're listening to this like and you're like I don't I didn't experience any trauma but I have this you know anxiety or I have this depression or I have this because um, I think a lot of times the mental health space can focus on trauma which I mean I'm a trauma therapist so I understand it but for the people who don't experience trauma but still have you know it could just be the society that we live in that creates anxiety which is so valid but you know if it's more than that you know encouraging you to kind of look into your family history or just look into other things genetics that could be impacting your well-being because like I said there's so much we don't know about the brain and the body um and I you know I hope we learn more as time goes on because it's fascinating um, but there are ways for you to heal, you know, even if you don't have a specific thing that caused X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And even just starting with that curiosity, 
with like Emily was saying, understanding, okay, maybe I don't have something in my personal past history, but there is, you know, maybe there was something with my parents or my grandparents. Think about how many of our parents lived through Vietnam, the Korean War, our grandparents lived through World War II, great-grandparents lived through World War I. Like, there was lots of different traumas going on that were happening even environmentally, not to even mention what was happening on, like, the local and nuclear family level. So, even just starting out with that curiosity. Being a woman and, and like, right. the, uh, the generational drama that exists in just literally being a specific gender. Right. Mm-hmm. And all like we couldn't even have a credit card or a bank account till 78 like you think how does that relate to generational trauma but it had a lot of women who had to stay in bad situations because mm-hmm. they weren't um or like all the women now who are forced to keep their baby their pregnancies that they don't want like that is generational trauma in the making not saying that that mom is going to be a bad mom because um of that but like like the 10 year old that got pregnant like yes she is gonna have generational trauma and so is that child because that's just not what's supposed to happen so it's just everything um everything is affected by um everything right (laughs) exactly even like being a different race not being white being black they're still experiencing tons of racism unfortunately their parents might have experience like having to go to segregated schools or taking different that wasn't that long you know, ago modes of transportation right that was literally one generation ago it was yeah. not that long yeah. ago it was our parents basically or maybe your grandparents depending on your age it was yeah. not that long yeah. ago and it's that shit's still happening <laughs> and and you know i know we, we're kind of segueing to like i'm it shouldn't be political but unfortunately it is um but like what pisses me off about these people who want to erase history because it's uncomfortable is that it pisses me off because I have people that come to my office every single week or every other week and sit through tremendous amounts of pain and being uncomfortable so that they can heal themselves and heal future generations because there is no growth unless you're uncomfortable there is no healing Mm -hmm. unless you're uncomfortable and that's physical right if you break a leg and you have to learn how to walk again that's so uncomfortable same thing like if your neural networks um were influenced by trauma it's going to be uncomfortable but like you can do it and if these people just understand that like even if they're uncomfortable by the idea of a drag queen they need to do the work to be to realize that that doesn't um that doesn't impact them and they can um rewire their neural networks even if it's uncomfortable because for whatever reason um they right it's not projecting on everybody else right and it's just it's just so frustrating because yes all of this stuff with like learning about slavery learning about the holocaust learning about all the honestly learning about how america was fucking founded founded in quotes because i know Mm -hmm. um, native people here first but like our country was founded on generational trauma if you think about it like all the violence that um christopher columbus and his people endured on native american people like don't even get me started about the trauma in the Native American community and all that they've had to deal with. Um, but it's just, our, our country was founded on this and I'm sure like so many other countries were too. So that's why I really do believe that this is at the core. And if people would be okay with being uncomfortable, we could do so much good, but we have to be okay with it. And I'm not saying that's easy, right? But like, it really does come down to getting uncomfortable and doing the work, like do right. the work, whether that's your 
you know, you need to heal from your trauma, or you need to heal um, from bigot, like growing up in an environment that was full of bigotry, right, or racism, like all of that's possible, because our brains are neuroplastic, and so they can change, like people that say you can't change, go look at the science, because we can't, <laughs> we right, just have exactly. to do the work. I really struggle to understand why learning about history and acknowledging the truth is so uncomfortable and like why that makes people think like acknowledging the truth doesn't make you a bad person to be like oh america was founded on these principles or it was founded on stolen land and we did enslave millions and millions of africans like acknowledging that does not it might make you a little uncomfortable but it's not stop projecting your shit onto everybody else that uncomfortability (laughs) if that makes you uncomfortable you're less likely to then be racist if it makes you uncomfortable to think about how it makes you uncomfortable imagine how it felt for them what the fuck the what people don't understand is that that breeds empathy and empathy is how we stop generational trauma like or stop all the violence because like i think about some of these people who commit these atrocious acts of like rape and murder and i'm like where's your empathy for the person that you hurt right mm-hmm. and so it's just that's learning about these things breeds empathy same thing with like you know if we take it back to like you know kind of like familial generational trauma like it can give you empathy for um your parents right it can give you empathy for their parents knowing the stuff that they had to go through and that's not to say that like oh it excuses like if they've hurt you but no it can help explain like that's another really big thing i talk to my clients about like i'm not here to like shit on your mom and dad right i'm here to help explain um why you maybe are the way that you are or like your grandparents i'm not here to shit on them either like healing from your generational trauma doesn't mean you have to say that you hate your family or that they're terrible people it just means it can help you understand who you are um and like why you're the way that you are Mm -hmm. i think that's a really great note to close on too because i was telling alex the other day is a huge part of healing is even just having those people that hurt you acknowledge that they did that or, well, you might, you know, you might not empathize get with you. Right. And some people may not get that. And that's like something that I think we can get into in that, you know, when we talk about how lonely episode on loneliness and healing. Um, but either like, I just, I have clients who will come in and be like, refuse to talk about their childhood trauma or just their childhood in general. And like, I never tried to like, I know it may sound like I'm being pushy, but like, this is a podcast. Like I don't, you know, treat my clients like this. Like I, I, if they want to heal their stuff, I'm there for them, but I do not push them. Like I might gently nudge them once we have a good relationship. Um, mm-hmm. But like I'm pushy on a podcast because I'm talking to, I don't know, but with my clients, I'm definitely yeah. more <laughs> and understanding. Um, but like, it's, it's not about like making you hate your family or make like people just are so scared because they don't want to talk bad about their parents or talk bad about X, Y, and Z. And it's like, that's not what this is. It's just acknowledging what hurt you went through and being able to heal from it and yeah if you can get that acknowledgement or empathy from people that hurt you that's incredible but i think that's more of the exception rather than the rule just based on like mm-hmm. at least with like you know our parents generation um maybe it'll be different with ours like when we make mistakes with our kids maybe we'll be able to acknowledge hopefully we'll be able to acknowledge and um heal from it but i think it's more um of the exception to get that mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I think even just once you do this work for yourself, you even put a little less, you know, depending on your situation, you understand that they were that way because something happened to them. And then whoever inflicted that on them, something happened to them too. So it's just a cycle. So you can also empathize with them possibly depending on the situation and understand like, okay, maybe they're not necessarily like this terrible person. It's just a a cyclical thing. And your role in that right now is just to try to break that cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have to heal the entire family. You can just heal you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's already hard enough to heal you. And then if there is some ability for the family to also heal, that can be incredible. But that, like, I want to emphasize that when we talk about healing generational trauma and breaking cycles, and I do this to all my clients, it is not just for the generations to come, but it's for you because you don't, you shouldn't have to live that way. Like, like I said, if people don't want to have kids, I completely respect that. Um, but the healing can be for you too, because like, I have plenty of clients who, you know, at least now don't want to have kids or, you know, older and have never had kids. And I'm like, it's so great that you're still here because you want to heal, not just for, Mm -hmm. um, not because of other people or like generations to come, but because of you and your life now, because you're worth it too. And okay, Ashley, when you talk about like, um, doing it for your son like I hope it's also for you too because you're worthy of healing your past even if you know you weren't having kids which obviously you're pregnant with one so I know you are but (laughs) I just wanted to kind of end on that message because you know it's it sounds cheesy but you're worth you know the time and the space and the uncomfortableness that it takes to heal yeah absolutely like even like Emily was saying if you never ever have kids it's worth it to do the work just for yourself. You know, I started this work well before I ever knew I was pregnant or if I was ever going to have kids. So it's definitely, you know, you're worth it. You're worth living a life that fulfills you and makes you happy and not just something that you have to tolerate every day. So you never know who you're going to be a light to or an inspiration to, whether it's just yourself or future generations, niece, nephews, friends, family, whomever. So on that note, thank you so much for listening. We'll make sure to link um, the book that we mentioned down in the bio, and hopefully you have a little bit easier time getting it than I did. It doesn't (laughs) take months to get it. But um, as always, I was just going to say, as always, if anything, you know, I know we talked about a lot of – a lot of tough topics today and so if anything triggered you please um reach out for help we as you know our podcast is literally called called because we went to therapy and i'm a therapist so we're huge advocates for therapy or just you know if you don't have access to therapy just talk to somebody because i think the at the core of this episode it was about talking about like the light that in that quote actually like is when you talk about it like when you bring it to the light um, which is incredibly hard to do and incredibly powerful if you're able to do that. Um, so thank you for listening to this vulnerable episode. Um, we hope it was helpful and we will be back in two weeks with more um, content. Yep. Sounds good. Hopefully um, we'll keep podcasting until, you know, whenever my baby's here and then we might have to take a little bit of a break after that. We'll see. We've got, 
we've got some content already recorded, so, you know, I'm due in the next month or so, so if we take a break, <laughs> we'll try to let you know on Instagram, but that's why, but we'll keep um, trying to come out with good content for you guys, and, you know, just thanks for listening, it really means the world to us. Mm-hmm. Love you, Ash. Love you, Em.